awesome song that is. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Praise God. Amen. One verse this morning. chapter 12, verse number 1, and I'm hoping in the next few minutes the title might make sense why I went to Romans 12, but Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul writing to the church, by the mercies of God, thank God for mercy. His mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. His mercies are new every morning. You thankful for mercy this morning? <clears throat> by the mercies of God, it's only by the mercies of God that we can do the following. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service reasonable service or worship God by presenting yourself a living sacrifice. Worship God by presenting yourself a holy vessel. <clears throat> you can worship God by presenting yourself, offering yourself acceptable unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. I, I want to preach this morning for just a few minutes. My voice is already about gone from shouting and praying. <clears throat> so whatever's left this morning, I just give it to the Lord. But I need God to help me this morning for the next few minutes as I try to share what I feel this morning. And this thought, the provider and the provision. The provider and the provision. Amen. How many know the provider today? How many are trusting the provider today? <coughs> it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Help me pray, would you, Lord, this morning, give you glory and honor and praise and I ask you, Lord, to anoint my heart, my mind, my soul. God, without you, everything we do is sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. So I pray, God, your anointing, your favor, your blessing would move in, <clears throat> upon us and through us. Give us ears to hear what thou sayeth the word of God this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the church say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated today. Turn to somebody and tell them it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. I've preached about worship and taught on worship a couple of times over the last year. I went back looking through my notes and the messages, and I preached on the 12 stones. I preached on worship, praise, and then I hit worship, and we preached a little bit, a little different take on worship uh, last fall. So I know I've talked and preached about worship from this pulpit at least two times in the last 12 months. 
And uh, it'd be okay if I think I preached on it 12 times in the last 12 months. As far as I'm concerned, we need to worship God. And I love to worship God. And Psalms 95 and 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You see, worship requires a willingness to put God first. Do you believe that? John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. To worship him, we worship in spirit and in truth. We have to have a mindset to put God first and worship him according to his word. Amen. Luke 4 and 8, Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. I come with a couple points this morning that I feel will help somebody in this house. And the first one that I hope will encourage somebody to continue praising and worshiping the Lord is, is this thought. The best way to put Satan behind you is to worship the Lord. Jesus coming out, out of the wilderness 40 days and 40, uh, 40 days of prayer and fasting and he's tempted by the devil and he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. If, you, if the devil's been attacking you and you've been fighting some things or even fighting your flesh, the best way to put that behind you or under your feet is just start worshiping God. I thought three or four people would at least start worshiping God. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. There's times when the enemy comes against me. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God's going to lift up a standard. But I'm telling you, when the enemy comes against you like a flood, you ought to open the floodgates of worship. You ought to open the floodgates of praise. You ought to open up and say, the devil may be fighting, the devil may be accusing, the devil may be at work, but I'm going to worship God. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to worship the Lord. Praise God. He said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Paul in our text said to lit, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service or worship. Another word there that transfer, uh, translates it to service it also translates to worship. We are going to worship God. We're going to serve God. And the best way to put the enemy under your feet is to worship the Lord. Praise God. Somebody shout amen. amen. To look back at worship, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning, but I've taught on it recently, but the first mention of, of worship, God we, was blessing Abraham, and Abraham uses the word worship. And you know the story how God provides Abraham and Sarah with a promised child. And even in their old age, they Sarah conceives, and she brings forth Isaac, and 
Oh, the joy that must have been on their face when they would look around and see the promised child running around the tent and running out and chasing the stick or the ball or whatever Isaac was, was playing with. Oh, the joy of a mama and a daddy to watch that beautiful baby boy start to grow up into a, a, a little boy and then a young man, a, a lad, if you will, and a, a teenager. And Well, maybe there were some bad times there too as the teenager is... All of us that have had teenagers understand that. But oh, the joy to see your child being raised up. The, the promised child. The provision of the promise. And then one day God comes to Abraham and <clears throat> asks Abraham to do something that uh, is just hard to even imagine. That God would ask someone to do what God asked Abraham to do. But... For some reason, God decided to ask Abraham to sacrifice his promise. To sacrifice the provision. And God said, Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice Isaac. I want to know if you're willing to do that. And so Abraham, he gets the fire and he gets the wood and he gets Isaac and he gets some helpers and he gets the camels and they load it up and here they go and they head to Mount Moriah. And they head to Mount Moriah, which is Jerusalem today, which is where the temple would be built. And may, I may get to some of that this morning, but for the sake of time, they, 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 they start getting close. And then Abraham tells the guys, y'all going to stay here. In verse number 5 of, of Genesis 22, he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. I'm taking my promise. I'm taking the provision. And I, we are going to go worship the Lord. I wonder how many times God has given people provision and yet they would not worship with the provision that God provided. People want more provision, but they're not willing to worship God with the provision that He's already provided. I'm just letting it marinate. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand. Now, Isaac wasn't just this little boy that was defenseless. If he could carry all the wood that was going to be used for the, for the offering sacrifice, he wasn't just a little guy. Matter of fact, I believe Isaac willingly laid down on the altar. He was old enough to know he had seen his father offer sacrifice before. He's like, hey, Dad. I, I know the fire, and I'm carrying all this wood, and it's a lot of wood. We're going to have to have a big sacrifice. Isaac said to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and here, I, here, here am I, son. I'm like, well, I mean, you, you stand right next to him. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My God, or my son, God will provide himself prophetically. There at Mount Moriah, Jerusalem. Abraham was prophetically speaking, but God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went, both of them, together. And you know the story. They get up there. He's going to offer Isaac. The, he's got the, the knife, and the voice cries out. He says, stop. And over here, the ram's horns are caught in the thicket, and God provided a ram for the sacrifice. And in verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah. Jireh, 
as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Abraham said, this place where God asked me to sacrifice the promise, the provision, is the place where God provided an answer. You see, Abraham, here's, here's, here's where I'm getting to this morning. Abraham was willing to offer the provision back to the provider. Why would Abraham be willing to offer his only son? Because that's what God called him, his only son. He was his only promise. Some people wonder why Ishmael was sent away. I'm going to tell you why. Abraham was protecting the promise. Ishmael, not the promised child. I don't know what Ishmael might try to do to the promised child. He gots to go because we're going to protect the promise. Some people get real lackadaisical with the promise. Oh, my goodness. But Abraham, why are you willing to sacrifice the promise, the provision that God provided? I think if Abraham was here this morning, he'd simply say, I love the provider more than the provision. I love the provider more than the promise. I love, I love the provider more than what he provides. I think, and this may cross people's theology, I don't know, but I wonder sometimes people come and they, have a, they struggle receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. I wonder if it's because they want the Holy Ghost so bad, and I know what the Holy Ghost is, it's the Spirit of God, but they want the gift of the Holy Ghost. They just want to be saved more than they love the provider of the provision. I wonder if they would just, just, I wonder if that, you know, that, that moment when boom, it just happens. I wonder if it's because in their mind, in their heart, they're saying, I'm serving the provider. I want the provider. Boom, you receive the gift of the provision. I should have brought shovels this morning. May I get big shovels that get a little deep this morning on a Sunday morning. Y'all be quiet. Either y'all are half asleep or this is. This is good stuff. It's so good. You're just soaking it in. I hope, you're, I hope it's the latter. I hope you're all soaking it in. Because <laughs> you make me a little nervous by just the stairs. <laughs> Exodus 34, 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. You see, the provider wants <laughs> the worship for, <laughs> to come to the provider not because of his provision. Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, For the Father seeketh or desires such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You see, true worshipers worship the provider more than the provision. I am this morning so thankful. God, I'm really thankful for all the promises, and I don't want to lose them. I really don't. I'm thankful for the provision. I'm thankful for what he's provided our church family. I'm thankful he's provided good jobs and sustenance and, and, and reasonably decent health around this place. And I'm thankful for all. But I don't want to lose sight of who it all comes from in the first place. I love the provider more than provision. He's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. And I love the provider more than the provision. 
And I felt this in prayer this morning. I said, God, help me this morning. I don't know where this is all going to go. And I, I just felt this kind of maybe just quicken in my spirit this morning. I said, don't give them a fish this morning. Teach them to fish. I'm thinking, what does that mean? I don't know what it means, but how does it relate? And then it hit me, boom. I'm not trying to give you a fish this morning. I'm trying to teach you to fish. I don't want to just give you a provision I want to provide. I want to 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 provide you an opportunity to come to the provider who gives the provision. People ask you, "Hey, would you pray for this?" They don't want their provider. They just want the provision. They, they don't come to Jesus. They just want the, the loaves and the fishes. Amen. They, some people come to church. They just want the loaves and the fishes. They just want to feel good. I just like the music. I just like the worship. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like all of that. I love the provision, but I love the provider of the provision more. Jesus, I love you. You're my focus. You're the main everything. Praise God. We can look no further than the stars. Reading through the book, the, the book of Job, or part of Job, anyway. Story of Job, and it's kind of cool. I mean, Job chapter one. It starts out verse number one. I mean, this is cool. It says he was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Man, wouldn't it be cool if that's all of Job? You had to read Job one and one. God had all the confidence in the world in Job. God loved Job. Heard what somebody told me last week. Said, "Why was he unemployed? God, why did he get so happy?" So why? Because he was reading the Bible and thought he found a job. <laughs> it's Job. The Bible says this is awesome right here. That Job chapter one verse twenty. You know, Job was. Well, let me back up a little bit. He, you know how the devil was going to and fro, and and uh, Job's name is brought up by God. Hast thou considered my servant Job? And the devil says, "Yeah, he loves you, but you've got a hedge of protection. You, you've you've provided in a great way for him. He loves you because of the provision." And God says, "Devil, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. He loves me more than provision. He loves me as his provider." The reason Job's in the Bible, I think, in the first place is to let us know, hey, God can give us all the provision. He'll keep a hedge of protection. And I pray that every morning I pray for, for God's hand of safety, for the Holy Ghost to be upon us, our church family, my, our, my personal family, my wife, my kids, my grandson. Uh, my, our, my, I pray for our parents. I pray for my, our brothers and their wives and all their children. And I actually use that phrase like every day. I don't know why. I'm just kind of stuck. God, pray for, I don't have any sisters. I have sister-in-law. So I pray for my brothers and I pray for their wives and I pray for all their children, my little nieces, you know, and nephews and and wherever they might be, whatever they might do. But I, I focus, God, would you keep your hand on our church family? God, would you provide for our church family? My brother, These are my brothers and sisters. And for, for some of us here today, this is the closest family we got. Blood or otherwise, this is, this is our family. <coughs> Here's Job. He's going to be tried. God lifts the provision. He doesn't protect the provision. He just says, devil, you can't touch his life. 
Because I always protect worship. You can't touch his life because Job's going to continue to be able to worship me. Verse number 20, Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. He had seven, seven sons and three daughters. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Every day, Job was praying for his kids, for his family. They were all out on their own, doing their own thing, and they were probably blessed because Job, their daddy, was blessed. But Job sacrificed to his provider who offered provision to him and his family. The Bible says that Job lost everything in a matter of seconds. While he spake, yet another one, and he spake, and yet another one. And then finally, after he lost all this stuff, all of his wealth, all the material things, all the provision that God had provided, what happened? The Bible says a wind, probably like a tornado or something, came and blew the house down. Either that or the big bad wolf, somebody showed up and blew the house down, and seven sons and three daughters you can go to Genesis chapter 40 or uh, Job chapter 42 and find out he had seven more sons later and three more daughters after that. And Job arises and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and 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 ready and worship. In spite of losing provision, even his family, he bowed himself and worshiped the Lord. I'd like to think we could do that. I don't know. I don't really want to have to find out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being as serious as a heart attack right now. I really don't want to have to find out what it's like to lose a child. I don't want to. Some of you have had to go through that. I don't want to have to go through that. Because our children are an inheritance of the Lord. But even after losing his whole family, he still, yes, he was grieving. Yes, he was sad. Yeah, I can't imagine how he absolutely felt, but, but he still found a way to worship the provider even when he lost the provision. God help us to always worship the provider whether we have provision or we don't have provision. He said in verse 21, Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He found a way to still worship the provider. Job 13, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What an awesome example we have to look to in Job and how he lived, in a life, he lived his life in a, such a way that when he lost everything as far as provision, he never lost his worship to the provider. And because he continued to worship God, 
he received double for his trouble. Can and will you love God? Can and will you love our provider even when you lose provision? It's something none of us really like to think about too much. I don't want to think what it's like to lose. I don't want to have to endure the suffering and the anguish and the grief and the pain of losing a child or, or whatever it might be that is important to us. And I don't want to have to endure that. God, I'm asking you that I don't have to go through it. But can I just for the record say, let's just forego all that pain and I'm just going to worship you, the provider. <laughs> It's a little heavy this morning, huh? I'm sorry. It's not as heavy as one thing you have to carry. I told somebody last week. Matter of fact, I've shared it with Pastor uh, Garrett last night. We were talking on the phone, and, and uh, I said, you know, one of the hardest things to carry is a grudge. It's one of the heaviest things people have to carry is a grudge. I don't want to have to carry that. But I don't want to have to endure the loss of provision either. Just to see if I'll still worship the provider of the provision. God, I'm going to give you everything now. I'm going to worship you now. I'm going to serve you now. Because God, you're the provider. Are greater than the provision. Do you love the provider more than the provision? And it wasn't just this isn't in my notes. I'm just going to chase a little rabbit if I may for a few minutes this morning, but can I, can I submit to you today, is it not interesting how there were thousands that flocked to Jesus for the miracles and the loaves and the fish, but in just a short amount of time when he was having to carry a cross and he was getting ready to be crucified on his way up to Calvary, where was everybody at? Where were all the worshipers? You find Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene, you find John was there, the beloved, but where's everybody else? Where's all the true worshipers when the provider's being crucified? And now you have no provision. You don't have any fish and loaves. Well, if he can't, if he's not going to bless me with my little blessing, I'm going to take my toys and I'm going to leave. What you're telling God is you care more about provision than the provider of the provision. And this is what I feel to tell somebody. God doesn't want to just give you a fish. He wants to teach you a fish. If you have the provider, you can always get provision. You hear you ready? He never, Job never lost the provider. That's why he got double for his trouble. Because he never lost his worship. He always kept the provider the main thing. Though he slay me, yet will I serve, yet will I trust, yet will I worship my provider. He gave me the life, and it's his anyhow. The Lord giveth, and the Lord can take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm thankful that God provided me with a great mama and a great daddy. 
But five years ago, I lost my dad. I didn't really lose my dad, but he just went on to his rewarding glory. I know where he's at. I didn't lose him. I know exactly where he is. Hello? But God gave me great provision. But guess what? I love my provider the most. I have a heavenly father that I love more than. My, 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 I hope this is resonating with you like it is in my spirit. God, help me to love the provider. God, I love you more than the provision. I'm thankful for the provision. I really like all the provision. But God, you're my provider. You're the one that gave it in the first place. It's you that deserves my worship. I don't worship the provision. I worship the provider. I don't worship creation. I worship the creator. God, I don't serve self, but I serve you who made myself. God, I don't serve for my own glory, but God, I serve for your glory. God, I worship the provider. You're my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. You are my everything. It's in you I live, I move, I have my very being. You are my provider. Can we just love him? If you love the provider, would you love him? God, I love you, Lord. I love you. I worship you. You're my provider. Job chapter 42, we find, I mentioned it a second ago. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. The Lord, in verse 10, says, Turn the captivity of Job. And when he prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. You see, he's still the provider. He said, if I bless you with that much, I'm just going to bless you with more than, why? Because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, has, he, is, the, he is the source of the provision Verse 13, check this out. He had also seven sons and three daughters. That's what he had before. We think double, so he's going to have 14. Well, it says he had the same amount, but this is what, this is, you ready? And <laughs> this is how my mind thinks. You have to excuse me, okay? Sometimes my mind's a little. He had also seven sons and three daughters also. Verse 15, and in all the land there were no women found so fair or beautiful as the daughters of Job. I wonder if the first three were ugly. You better worship God or your kids might turn out ugly. Never heard that before, I guarantee you. Sister Cavanagh, thank you for being such a great worshiper. <laughs> beautiful. We have two beautiful daughters. You ready? Worshippers. And beauty is not just on the outside. Isn't that cool? His newest three daughters were at least twice as good looking as the old ones. Yeah. 
and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Why? Because they never lost the provider of the provision. I didn't think I'd be this long. I didn't. Can I have just a couple minutes? Thank you. Probably Sunday school. They're winning. Bobby says he'll be short-winded this morning. <laughs> He's still going. Like the Energizer Bunny. Better change the Duracell or something. 600 plus years after Abraham goes to Moriah, we find the story of David also going to Mount Moriah to the threshing floor of Ornon. You see, David went and had, his, had the men, had the people of Israel numbered. And it was a sin for him to do that. I've often wondered why it was a sin. This came to me. I don't know if it's really the reason, but it, seems, it makes sense to me. So just humor me out for a second. David had a bunch of enemies that he was, had been fighting against. And I think what David was doing was he said, hey, we need to number Israel and number all my soldiers because I want to make sure we got enough to get the victory. David looked to himself and his own ability. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Instead of looking to the provider of the victory in the first place. And God was angry. He said, why would you even need the number? If I said you're going to be victorious, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't know if you feel what I'm feeling right now. Something's happening in the spirit right now. God was telling David, hey, David, I've got your back. I am the provider of victory. You don't have to do it, and you can't do it on your own. You can't fight the fight and have victory on your own. I'm the provider of the provision. I'm the one that gives you the victory. And so because of that, an angel passed through the land and 70,000 men were killed. And the, the, the prophet Gad comes to David and says, you need to go to the threshing floor and offer a sacrifice. So here comes David. I'm going to be closing in just a second, but here comes David and he comes to Ornon. If you read it in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, you can read the whole story. By the way, it started in verse number 1. Let me throw this in there for effect. The Bible says Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. There was an enemy that came against David. The enemy raised his ugly face and came against David, came against Israel. And so David went and numbered the people. Just because the enemy raises his face, don't you realize our providers, greater is he that's in us than... David wanted to take it upon himself and see how many men he had to fight this enemy. And David, you already have everything you need. How long ago? Wasn't that long before you, there was a man by the name of Gideon in the Midianites and had 300, and that's all he needed to defeat an army that was without number. Why? Because it's not our ability. It's his ability. It's not by might nor by power, us, but by, he said, but by my spirit, my spirit, saith the Lord. 
As long as you have the provider, you'll have enough provision. As long as you have the provider, you I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is he begging for bread. As long as you got the provider, there'll always be. The, lady, the widow woman with the with the cruise of oil. Every time she went, there was just a little bit of a little bit more meal, a little bit more. It just kept on coming. Why? Because there was a power source. <laughs> she was connected to a power source. As long as you got the provider, you'll always have provision. So David comes. Verse 19, David went up to the saying of the Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. In verse 20, in order and turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Yeah, you'd be hiding yourself too if you got a big angel from the Lord with a flaming sword and he's killed, just killed 70,000 people. Funny thing is, they actually thought they could hide. <laughs> David comes to Ornan and Ornan looked and saw David and went out of, the, out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David, the king, with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor, the same place that Abraham had offered the sacrifice. The same place where David, that, that Abraham had offered provision back to the provider. And Ornan says, take it unto thee and let my Lord... The king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for the burnt offerings and the threshing floor instruments for wood and the, the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. He said, I give it all to you. And the king David said to Oran, no, 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 nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. It's got to be a sacrifice. I have to be willing to provide, to sacrifice the provision to get the attention of the provider. David built there an altar of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And, and the angels stayed and David repented. And, and you've got to think, this was a bad thing. This was a horrible sin that David had committed. I'm, I'm going to close with this. Hopefully this will help somebody this morning. David had done a, it was a horrible thing that he did. It cost 70,000 men their lives. There was sackcloth and ashes. There was ashes and sackcloth. There was mourning. There was weeping taking place. And all these families that were touched by 70,000 men. This was horrible. And it's David's fault. And everybody knew it was David's fault. David decided to make it right. David was a man after God's own heart. And so David offers a sacrifice and repents unto the Lord. He says, God, I'm sorry. I took the law into my own hands. I tried to do it on my own. God, it's my fault. I've sinned. I'm undone. I'm unclean. I'm wrong. Would you forgive me? Because I've got more than the provision. I want to have a right relationship with you, my provider. See, the difference between Saul and David was really this. Saul was more about provision than the provider. Saul wanted to worship God, but he was letting King Agag and some Amalekites and all them. He was more concerned about bringing provision back to him and the people more than making the provider of all the provision happy. And he wanted to worship on his terms. I worship you, God, but I'm going to worship the provision. And I worship you only as I get provision. 
You see, your worship cannot be conditional upon provision. My worship cannot be conditional upon. We have to, though he slay me, yet will we trust him. It's not conditional upon whether he provides. It's conditional upon how much I love him as the provider. Are you more concerned about the provider or the provision? Who, which are you worshiping today? And the good news that I have as we stand together in this place this morning, and I'm sorry I went a little bit longer than I thought, but the good news is that <laughs> failure is not final. In that, I don't care what kind of mistake you've made this morning. Amen. I don't know what, how you've treated the provider today, but if you will worship the provider and put him first and foremost, you can have provision, but don't worship him because of the provision worship. Because he is the provider of all provision. Is this making sense this morning? First John chapter 3, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. David was a man after God's own heart, yet he still sinned, yet he still failed miserably. But David found his redemption in worship, worshiping the provider, even when he lost provision. David's redeeming intrinsic value was in his worship and even when his heart condemned him he was able to pray in Psalms 51 create in me a clean heart renew in me a right spirit cast me not away from thy presence Restore the joy of thy salvation. God, if I know if I can just take your hand. God, I know if you'll just take me by the hand. If I have you as my provider that I walk with, I'll have everything I need. God, I worship you not because of your provision or the provision. I'm thankful for it. I'm so very thankful. And I ask God that you not take it away. God, keep the hedge up about us in this church. God, we ask you, God, to continue to bless us and give us favor and bless us, our jobs, our businesses, our families, our health. We appreciate it so very much, God. We're so thankful, God. But even if... Help us to worship. You as our provider. Even when we have not provision. Jesus, I worship you not for provision, but because of who you are. I'm thankful for it all, but I, most importantly, Jesus, I'm thankful for you.
Do you need the provider this morning? Anyone want to worship the provider this morning? The devil's the accuser of the brethren. He's going to say, you failed, you've fallen. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We messed up. That's okay. I still got the provider. And if I got the provider, I can find mercy. If I've got the provider, I can find grace. If I've got the provider, he, he can sustain me. He can provide everything I need. Yeah, I've lost some things. That's provision. I'm glad I never lost him, the provider of all things. How many want to just take a moment this morning and just worship? Can we do that? Can we just, if you love the provider, if you love the Lord, can you just worship him this morning? Just worship him for who he is. I don't worship him for all the things that he, he's given, but I worship him for who he is in my life and to me.